Welcome to the Queen City Church Podcast. We're so excited that you decided to join us, and we wanted to personally welcome you. Thank you so much for listening in today. Our goal is that this message will encourage you and give you practical steps for a relationship with God that keep getting better and better. Enjoy the message. But This week, I want to share something that God put on my heart just for today, just for Comeback Sunday on a special day where our church is gathering in person for the first time in six months and for the very first time we are streaming live online. Um, And so we're so excited for today and God gave me something from Mark chapter two. Let's read this together. Uh, This is Mark chapter two, starting in verse one. I'll read, then we'll pray and then we'll have a lot of fun. Mark chapter two, it says, when Jesus returned to Capernaum, several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room even outside the door. While he was preaching God's word to them, four men carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, so they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Verse five says, seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven. But some of the teachers of religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves, what is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. And Jesus being Jesus, doing Jesus things, knowing what people are thinking, he knew immediately what they were thinking. So he asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven or stand up, pick up your mat and walk. So I will prove to you that the son of man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat and go home. There's an exclamation. Verse 12 says, and the man jumped up, grabbed his mat and walked out through the stunned onlookers. They were all amazed and praised God, exclaiming, we've never seen anything like this before. So today, if you're taking notes, I wanna talk to you on just a one-week message that I believe God has given me for our church at Comeback Sunday. And so write this message title down, Through the Roof. Through the Roof. Through the Roof. We're gonna talk about what it means to go through the roof. Let's pray. God, we love you. We thank you for today. I am so grateful for this moment. I'm so grateful for every single person on our leadership team and our dream team that worked so hard to make this moment happen. But God, right now, we need to hear from you. We don't need to hear from me. We need to hear from you. So God, right now, we give you permission to speak into any area of our life, all of us. We invite you here to speak. We don't want to walk out of the overflow room. We don't wanna walk out of this online service. We don't wanna walk out of this auditorium the same way that we walked in. So God, speak to us. And God, we do pray for the Bengals. We pray that you bless them this year. Help them make the playoffs in Jesus' name. And everybody said, told you I would pray for them. It is 2020, anything can happen. I think we've learned that. Now, I know it's been a hot minute, 
I know it's been a hot minute, but please, in the room, in the overflow, there online, just raise your hand if you can remember, if you can even remember what it's like to be in a big crowd. I'm talking about one of those big crowds where like you're so jammed where it's hard to walk the good old days, you know, and you could just go and just be in a large crowd. Anybody remember? Anybody remember? Yeah. And so like there's where it's hard, where we didn't have to physically be physically distant, things like that. Well, that's exactly what happened in Mark chapter two. Jesus was hanging out in a house. He wasn't hanging out in a church. He wasn't hanging out in the synagogue. He wasn't hanging out on this like big field where there were thousands of people. He was hanging out in a house. In Mark chapter two, verse two, it says that soon that house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room even outside the door, meaning that there were so many people jammed in that house that it was overflowing on past the doors, into the lawn, into the grass, and it was overflowing there. And by the way, all throughout the Gospels, the first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which tell the eyewitness account of Jesus. If you've never read your Bible, I highly recommend you starting with those books. Get to know Jesus. But when you read through those, what you will see, you will notice that Jesus is always attracting large crowds. It's like what he does. There's always these large crowds that are, are, that are, that are following Jesus. And that's because Jesus is always attractive. That his message, the gospel, was always attractive. Because even the word gospel, it literally means, get this, good news. And how many of you know good news is attractive? How many of you know we need some good news in our world right now? We need some good news because good news is always attractive. But I've also learned that religion is not attractive. That behavior modification is not attractive. If I were to sit here and say, okay, this is what you need to do with your life and you need to change this and this big list of rules of do's and don'ts that I promise you, that is not attractive. It's not. Playing church is not attractive. But Jesus is always attractive. And it goes on to say in in continuing verse two, it says, while he was preaching God's word to them, Four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. Notice that it's not a boy. It's a man. That took some work. That took some effort. You know how I know? Because they're late. They didn't show up on time. They knew service started at this time, but because they were carrying that dude who's so heavy, they ended up being late. They showed up and Jesus is already in the middle of his message. They missed all the worship, uh, but you know, But I love their determination. I love their commitment. I love their grit. They're like, I don't care what it takes. We're getting you there. I love it. I I feel like I kind of interject myself into that story. And they're like, we are not carrying you home. Not happening. You are walking home, brother. Like, I am not carrying you home. Whatever it takes, no matter what, somehow, some way, you're gonna see Jesus. And then in verse four, It says they couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. So they had this idea. Let's dig a hole through the roof above his head. Then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Could you imagine how awkward that was for the paralyzed man? Imagine right now in the middle of this service, there's a big hole just came up and this dude came down on the stretcher. Hey, what's up? Hey, guys. 
You look great today. Good mask. Um, sorry, great message. Sorry to interrupt. You know, just very awkward for that guy. But you got to understand that Roos back in the day were different than Roos today, which would probably take like a construction crew and power tools and a lot of property damage. And, you know, that was that. But at the time, most houses had flat roofs that you could get to from an outdoor staircase. And these roofs were commonly made of clay and mud and straw and sticks and things like that. And so picture this scene. Picture these four guys carrying another man and they climb up to the roof on the side of the house or some staircase. So they climb up and they start tearing away this mud and this clay and they tear a hole big enough to lower a grown man down right in front of Jesus. And I love the next verse, that when you see the next verse in verse five, it says, seeing their faith, seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven. I love that it says their faith. Not his faith, but their faith. I love that it says that. I love that it says their faith, not his faith. Jesus was moved by his friend's faith. Jesus was moved by their collective faith when you put it all together. And there's, that's because there's, there's truth that is cover to cover in this book that we are better together. There's no, there's no way around that, that we are better together, that we were not created by God to live life alone, that we were hardwired by God for community and for relationships and for like just hanging out with each other. That's how God made us. And so that's why small groups are such a big deal at our church. That's why we have this conviction, and you'll hear it around here a lot, that we refuse to live life alone. You know, when you have to refuse is when everything inside of you wants to live life alone. That's when you have to have that conviction and say, I don't care if I have to stay in my house for a year. I am going to refuse to live life alone. And so we have this conviction. And so today I'm so excited because we are launching brand new small groups. A brand new small group semester is starting today. And so for the next 13 weeks as a church, we will offer all types of groups that meet at all different times and all different days. Some are in person and some, in, some are online. And right now we have 33 groups that are available right now. And I'm sure that there's gonna be some more added over the next few days. And so there's gonna be freedom groups men's groups and women's groups and marriage groups and groups for college students and groups for high school and junior high students. There's going to be groups that just talk about this message and talk about the Sunday message every week. There's going to be interest-based groups and Thursday night football groups. Come on. There's going to be finance groups. There's going to be like book studies and so much more. And I cannot encourage you enough to get in a group, get in a group, get in a group, get in a group. But here's the deal. There may be 33 plus groups offered this semester, but I'm telling you every single one of them, the point for every single one of them is the same. Just like this story that when you can't get to Jesus by yourself, other people will help you get there. And the truth is there's going to be time for all of us where we're going to need help to get to Jesus. 
So if you wanna find out all about the information and all the groups, you can search them all. We have an online directory. Go to queencitypeople.com slash smallgroups. You can find all the information there. You can register for groups, all that type stuff. Uh, I got one just for, just for some guys that's meeting in the morning at 7.30 online for 15 minutes. Come on, 15 minute small group. We can do it. We're calling it the locker room before we go out for the week. It's gonna be so great. So uh, anyway, that's my plug. I got the mic. I can do that. Um, so they lower this guy right in front of Jesus. And what happens next amazes me. Before Jesus heals his body, he first heals his soul. That's because the greatest miracle is not physical, it's spiritual. That the greatest miracle you need to understand is not cancer supernaturally leaving somebody's body, which is amazing and awesome that the greatest miracle is not coronavirus being instantly gone or blind eyes being able to suddenly see. The greatest miracle you need to understand is your sins being forgiven so that relationship with God can be restored so that you can spend eternity with him. The greatest miracle is when God says in Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26, that I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you, and I will take out your stony and your stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart that the greatest miracle is a heart transplant. And the truth is, I would love for every single one of you to experience, and your loved ones, to experience being healed physically of everything. But if I had to choose 10 out of 10 times, I would choose for every person to experience that verse where they would have a heart transplant. But Jesus is such a G that he does both. (laughs) He heals them both spiritually and physically. I love this story. And God put this story on my heart for this week, about six weeks ago. And so maybe you're there saying like, so what does this exactly have to do with our church right now, with everything that's going on? What does this have to do in this comeback season Well, let me give you three things that I think are three reminders for our church, whether or not this is your very first time or whether you've been rolling with us for two years. Here's some reminders that we all need to know today. And here's number one, our mission is the same. Our mission is the same. Just like these four friends had a mission to get their friends to Jesus, we have a mission to get people to Jesus. And what's so cool is that Jesus himself gives us a mission. In Matthew chapter 28, in my Bible, it says the great commission. It's what he invites us to join with him in. And if you're a follower of Jesus, you wanna know your personal mission, it's this. Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 through 20. Go then to all people everywhere and make them my disciples. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. And we took those two verses and we decided we were gonna build our mission as a church around those two verses. So here is our way of saying that, our mission, which answers the question, why do we exist, is this. We exist to reach 
all people, all people, no matter your age, your gender, your race, your skin color, your political party, how you vote in November, your sexual orientation, your background, how much money you make, where you fall in the tax bracket, how you like where you are in your spiritual journey, whether or not you are an atheist, a skeptic, I'm kicking the tires or I've been following Jesus for 30 years, whatever the case is, no matter who you are, what side of town you live on, what side of the river you live on, or even where you went to high school. All 2.1 million people. If you have a pulse, we exist to reach all people and teach them to have a relationship with God that gets better and better. That's why we exist That was our mission when we moved here to Cincinnati. That was our mission when we launched this church two years ago. That was our mission the last six months during a during a literally global pandemic where we had to do church at home after church at home. The mission was still the same. The mission's the same as it is at Withrow, as it is right here in Memorial Hall. And that is our mission today. The mission is the same. And by the way, just so this is perfectly clear, we're all on the same page, we did not start a church for quote unquote church people. I don't even know what that means. Listen directly from me, the pastor of this church, and as long as they let me keep doing this, this is our mindset. Church has never meant to be a country club for perfect people who have it all together. But church is a hospital for the hurting and the broken and the desperate. And the good news of the gospel is that you don't have to be perfect because of what Jesus did. Because he was perfect, we don't have to be perfect. So just so you know, Queen City Church is not for perfect people. So if you are a perfect person, you may not like it here because we got some issues. Come on, in that right church, we got some issues. Raise your hand if you got some issues. Just, just be honest, be honest. Okay, lift it up high, it's okay. Come on, two hands in the air if your issues got issues, okay? If your hands are not up right now, by the way, that is your issue. How many of you are sitting next to your issue? Do not raise your hand. Do not bat. Here's the point. Hey, if you got issues... If you got issues online, if you got issues right now on the overflow, if you got issues, like these signs say, welcome home. Welcome home. And it's important for you to know that we're not trying to be a big church, but we are unapologetically trying to make a big difference. And we are still on mission, people. And the mission is the same to get people to Jesus, to get people to Jesus. So number one, our mission is the same. Number two, here's a reminder I see in this text, is that our method is different. So our mission is the same, but our method is different. That just like these men that are trying to get their friend to Jesus, they had to use an unconventional method. I don't think this was happening all the time. Like, they couldn't do what they've always done. They had to get creative and innovative and think outside the box. 
And right now, you need to understand that our mission is the same, but our methods have to be different. What got us here will not get us there. That our, our method is meeting in a different building right now, in a different area of town. Our method right now is prioritizing people's health and safety. Our method is right now wearing masks and spreading out more than normal and experiencing, uh, like exchanging some hugs for some fist bumps and some waves. And that's what our methods are right now. Our methods are moving the lobby outside and streaming our services live online so that people that maybe can't even get out right now, that it's not safe for you to get out or maybe you're not comfortable, are method is we're coming to your home. And so like we have these methods that, that are changing, that we're doing that. Our method right now is having an overflow areas. Our method may be eventually going to a third service because I can tell you what, like our first service, I'm not going to have many weeks where we say, I'm sorry, we're full. We're not going to be able to do that. We will go through the roof and figure out how to way to get some more people. I'll do church all day. I will. Our team's like, oh my goodness. Okay. <laughs> our mission is the same, but our method is different. But listen, the methods are well worth it to accomplish our mission. And the truth is, there may be some time during this season, and that's what this is, by the way. Just like we had a church at home season, now we have this season. And this season, just like that one, will not last forever. But there may be times during this season where you are kind of over it. You get tired of it. Why do I have to wear this? I don't even like hearing myself singing. And this mask is like extenuating that inside my, <laughs> I want to hear David and Caroline. I don't want to hear me. Like, <laughs> and maybe there, there might be times where you're just kind of over it and you're tired of having frustrated with things like this. Can I love you enough to say that if that happens, I think that you started focusing on the methods and not the mission. And if that ever happens, which very well could, I wanna encourage you to take a step back and stop focusing so much on the methods and laser focus on the mission. Because our methods are well worth it to accomplish our mission to get people to Jesus. First Corinthians chapter nine, verses 19 through 23 puts it this way. Even though I am free of the demands and expectations of everyone, I have voluntarily become a servant to any and all in order to reach a wide range of people, religious, non-religious, meticulously moralist, loose living, immoralist, the defeated, the demoralized. I love this. Whoever. I didn't take on their way of life. I kept my bearings in Christ, but I entered their world and tried to experience things from their point of view. By the way, that is a word for today. I've become just about every sort of servant there is in my attempts to lead those I meet into a God-saved life. I did all this because of the message, because of Jesus. I didn't just want to talk about it. I wanted to be in on it. Isn't that good? Listen, I've made a decision. I'll wear a head-to-toe hazmat, hazmat suit to get people to Jesus. I would. I will do whatever. So our mission is the same. Our method is different. And then number three, we will do whatever it takes to accomplish our mission. 
We will do whatever it takes to accomplish our mission. In other words, just like these guys in Mark chapter two, we will go through the roof to get people to Jesus. In my Bible right here, I have written this. Go ahead and put it up, through the roof. I have this written in the margin of my Bible. I just put, if you wanna know what this message is about, this is what it's about. Through the roof means whatever it takes. Whatever it takes to get people to Jesus. And so you need to know this comeback Sunday, whether this is your first time or you just need this reminder, this is what our church is all about. We will go through the roof, do whatever it takes to get people to Jesus. And according to spiritual stats, Of our city that we all call home, 34% of people are unchurched. That's over one out of three that are lost and far from God. But if you do even a deeper search, you'll see that 52% of people in our city that are 40 years and younger are unchurched, that are lost and far from God, that don't know Jesus. And I just want you to know that we care about that. We do. We care that when we see that number, it's like there's something in our spines that stiffen up and say, that's not okay. That's not okay. Like we have got to do something about this because those numbers are not just numbers. They're people. They're people that we work with. It's people that you'll see today whenever you go to lunch after this. And they'll be in the same restaurant or they'll be serving you food. It'll be people that you see all throughout this week. It'll be your neighbors in your apartment complex. It could be people that you work out with in the same gym. And this is what 1 John chapter 4, verse 21 says. The command that we have from Christ is blunt. Loving God includes loving people. You've got to love both. So we will go through the roof. We will do whatever it takes to get people to Jesus. Our mission is the same. Our method is different. And we will do whatever it takes to accomplish our mission. Now, as we close, something that I was thinking about all week long as I was preparing for this, sometimes my mind just asks questions when I read the text. And I couldn't stop thinking about this one question over and over and over again. And it's, when you read through this, Why didn't Jesus get mad when they tore a hole through the roof? Like legit property damage to this dude's house. Like why didn't he get mad? And on top of that, interrupted his message. Because I'm telling you, I'd get salty if somebody did that to me. But think about it, read through it. Read through it this week. Jesus never gets mad. He never gets frustrated. He never gets upset. And my question is, why? Why? Why didn't Jesus get upset? And so I asked God, God, why didn't Jesus get upset? And I felt like he told me, because that's exactly what Jesus did. He didn't get mad. He didn't get frustrated. He didn't get upset because that's exactly what he did. Because Jesus, our savior, the son of God, he tore a hole through what was dividing us from him. 
and he decided to come down and to be with us. But instead of coming down as a paralyzed man, he came down as a perfect man. See, Jesus is the true and greater man who came through the roof for us by coming down to earth, living a perfect life, something that you and I could never do, and then going to a cross and taking our place so that he could pay for our sins just for the chance that you and I could have a relationship with him and experience the eternal and the abundant life that can only be found in him. Jesus is the true and greater man who came down through the roof. John three sixteen puts it this way. This is how much God loved the world. He gave his son. He went through the roof, his one and only son. And this is why, so that no one need to be destroyed by believing in him. Anyone, anyone, anyone can have a whole and lasting life. Listen, listen, Jesus went through the roof for you. And because Jesus went through the roof for us as a church, we will gladly go through the roof for other people. I don't know if there's anybody that's in church on Comeback Sunday that is excited and thankful that Jesus went through the roof for you. Come on, if you're thankful, if you're grateful that Jesus went through the roof for you. It's good. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. And we do this every single week at our church and I think it's one of the most important parts of our service. And we take some time just to ask God, God, what are you saying to me? So right there, I wanna encourage you to just connect with God and ask him, God, what are you saying directly to me today? What are you saying to me? Maybe ask him this, what does my response need to be to today's message? What are you saying to me? How can my life look different? And maybe you're here and you feel far from God. You feel like there's a barrier between you from God. And I'm here to tell you that Jesus went through the roof for you. And maybe you've always felt far from God. You've never made a decision to get close to him. Or maybe you're here and you have at one point in your life. And at one point you felt like, man, everything was good. But now you feel so far away from God. And I just wanna remind you today that Jesus went through the roof for you. And today you can experience his grace and his love and his forgiveness, and you can experience a fresh start. And here's how, by making the most important decision of your life, the decision to follow Jesus, to say yes to him, to give him your life. And we're not gonna point you out we're not gonna make you come forward. We're not gonna embarrass you in any way. But today, if that's the decision that you need to make, whether you are here in this room, whether you're in overflow, or maybe you're watching online and you know that's my decision. I need to say yes to Jesus. I need to give my life to Jesus. I need to do that for the first time or all over again. If that's you, all I'm gonna say is that on the count of three, I want you to just raise your hand in the air and say, that is me. Please pray for me. And we're gonna pray together. So if that's you and that's the decision you know you need to make. People already made it in the 930, it was amazing. So if that's you, on the count of three, I want you to raise your hand and say, that's me, that's the decision I'm making. One, two, three. If that's you, just put your hand in the air and say, that's me, I got you, I got you, I got you, I got you, that's awesome. 
proud of you, proud of you, proud of you, proud of you, proud of you. That's awesome, 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 awesome. Right now, just right there, just pray something like this in your heart. Just say, Jesus, I need you. I need you. And I'm sorry that I've lived my life without you. Will you come live inside me? Will you do what I can't do and will you change me? And will you make me brand new today? God, I surrender my whole life to you. I give you everything and I choose to follow you. Thank you, Jesus, for going through the roof for me. It's through the awesome, powerful name of Jesus that we pray. And everybody said, amen. Come on, church, can we clap our hands and celebrate with every person that just made that decision? Man, we're so proud of you. We're so proud of you. Thank you so much for joining us today. If this message has changed your perspective on God or life, feel free to email your story to info at queencitypeople.com. We'd love to celebrate the change happening in your life. We'd also love to pray for you. If you have any prayer requests, big or small, head over to queencitypeople.com slash prayer and fill out the form with as much detail as you'd like. For more information about Queen City Church's service times, location, or events, visit queencitypeople.com or follow us on social media platforms at Queen City People.